Hi, hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of Absolutely Thriving with me, your host, Charlotte. Hope you're having an okay week. I'd say the autumn is now officially upon us. I, for one, am very excited. <laughs> Despite the fact that I probably had the best summer I've ever had this year, I love autumn as a season. I think October might even be my favourite month of the entire year. I just love being able to wear nice clothes and just ugh, it's the first time you get to wear your jumpers the entire year. The weather's like a bit chilly but it's not freezing. Trees are still nice and orange and just it's starting to get darker. Oh, I'm just getting excited just thinking about it. I mean I don't even like Halloween but October is just a great time and so I feel like if you like Halloween you kind of Most people, you know, might share the same opinion as me. But anyway, time for a little life update. It's currently the 25th of September. I'm falling a bit behind in my podcasts already. Um, But, you know, it's fine. We love that for me. Um, I still haven't started my job. (laughs) Nor am I currently volunteering. But everything is in the works. And hopefully in the next week or two, I'll actually start doing something. So, yeah, I'm still kind of in this, like, crisis of not having any purpose. But I think it's been a useful exercise for me to do, this sort of whole not working limbo. It sort of reinforced the idea that life doesn't always move at the pace that you want it to, nor does everything always go 100% according to plan. And it's okay. Not working is not necessarily indicative of not maximising your time. I've sort of mentally decided to classify this time as my sort of mental health priority recovery time. Ironically, my mental health has suffered quite a lot throughout this period, but I've been able to process a lot of things that I've been pushing away for a long time. And I think it's also been very informative in sort of bringing a lot of issues to light that I've kind of never dwelled upon. Which is, you know, a good or a bad thing. Take what you will. But yeah. So I was going to do this episode about validation. But I've changed my mind. And I probably still will do that episode at that some point in the near future. But I think today we're going to discuss a subject that's quite serious, really. Um, sexual assault. <laughs> I'm kind of nervous laughing because it's something that is... A very sensitive issue. So I'm going to put in a trigger warning because I don't want to trigger anyone with the content of this episode. Um, I don't think it will. I mean, I everyone interprets things in different ways, um, but I will try my best to keep it as sort of le- on the lighter triggering sen- sort of end of the spectrum, <laughs> if that's possible. But if this sort of subject is not for you please just don't listen because I don't want to make your situation any worse and if you want you can listen to one of my more light-hearted episodes um and also quick disclaimer before we get into this the majority of what I'm going to be discussing will be my opinion and personal feelings on the subject so I'm not going to be like teaching you in any way because I'm not qualified to do so um and 
there are plenty of other people who will talk a lot more eloquently on this than me but it's a subject that I feel incredibly passionate about so yeah it's most likely going to be a bit of a rant so if you're as fed up as I am um join the tribe (laughs) there's no real message or central theme to anything that I'm about to say besides the fact that the way the society treats women is unacceptable and more needs to be done um so if you're looking for a well-constructed argument this probably won't suffice but i'm fed up highly opinionated and overall a bit obstreperous so if you care to listen let us continue first time that i can remember ever being made to feel uncomfortable by a man was probably when I was about 12 years old and since that day it's a pretty common feeling that arises whenever I go out. I remember that when I actually started going out into the real world again after however many lockdowns we've had and just literally just studying at school all year I was quite frankly stunned by how men were just like behaving towards women who were simply just existing. I think I forgot quite how extensive this problem is. I remember I was literally just walking from London Bridge Station to Waterloo Station on a Monday afternoon in like June time and the space of about 10 minutes was shouted at by two different men and there was nothing unique about that experience it's happened to me before it's happened since then and it's also happened to basically everyone that i know nothing ever changes and we're just meant to accept it not react and move on yet again in the news there was another incident of sexual harassment and in fact murder documented in the news. Sabina Nasser was walking home on the 17th of September. She was attacked in a park and her body was found in Cater Park in SE3 in London. And there's practically been, well, there's now been a bit of discussion about the events that happened. But in comparison to much more high-profile cases, like Sarah Everard at the beginning of 21, 2021 even, the, there was it was minimal, which is an entirely different separate issue. Um, it's just yet again the media focusing on white people over any other ethnic community. But it just makes me so deeply angry and upset and just disappointed that events like this continue to occur both that are high profile in the media and those that are practically undocumented it just leads to the conclusion that women are just not safe anywhere there is no guarantee for any woman that they can step outside safely without the potential for sexual assault harassment or being attacked up until Very recently, women were told to just be quiet, not draw attention to themselves, not dress provocatively, whatever that's supposed to mean, and simply scream for help if they're being accosted. 
it's just not good enough and not enough is being done to rectify the situation. I do not know a single girl who doesn't have a story about a time that they are made to feel uncomfortable by a man. Whether that be catcalling, unsolicited physical contact or even rape. It is not a female issue in the sense that it is not women who are causing these things to happen. It's clear that there is something inherently wrong with the way that men perceive and behave towards women. It quite frankly frightens me that 97% of women have reported sexual abuse in their lifetime, which I'm pretty sure was a study published by the UN at the beginning of this year. And it starts so young. Young girls, little children, are every day sexually abused by male authority figures that they trust, or harassed by men on the street, abducted, murdered by strangers, and it's still happening. I decided to do a bit of research into the impact that the Sarah Everard case had in regard to causing political or at least social change. And I discovered that there was a £3.2 million sort of investigation or pilot, however you want to call it, called Operation Soteria, um, which was about sort of looking into shifting the focus away from the sort of victim's credibility to looking instead at defendant behaviour, which was devised by a corporation called Stanko and a team of researchers. And I also found out that the government reopened its call for evidence on violence against women and girl strategy, which had more than 1,060... I'm so bad at numbers, Jesus Christ. 160,000, there we go, people responded in two weeks, and which added to the original 19,000 who'd answered the call from December to February. And the government pledged that they would allocate 25 million into safer street funds for better lighting and CCTV, and over 40 million for support services including 16 million to recruit more independent sexual violence and domestic abuse advisors and advertising campaigns such as hashtag you are not alone to encourage reporting and signpost support. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think adding a few more street lamps and CCTV is going to do anything to resolve this issue. And it's again just very much like performative concern because like literally nothing has changed and it all just points to the fact that this issue does not just simply lie in the law or in lack of funding it lies in the systemic attitude that's prevalent throughout society evidently the law doesn't act as a deterrent when it comes to sexual abuse and it's evidently just a wider issue than just the law It indicates to me that there is something seriously messed up when it comes to the general view that men have of women. It demonstrates a level of entitlement and lack of appreciation for the respect that women just innately deserve to have. 
like obviously women can now vote and in terms of positions in terms of employment there's a lot more equality but I think we're still treated very differently by society and I think we can universally unanimously however you want to use it (laughs) however many you words you want to use we're treated very differently I don't think anyone can try and refute that or successfully refute that let's just leave it there (laughs) from my own personal perspective I will never feel 100% comfortable walking anywhere alone even in the middle of the day and in a busy place because I've been shouted at so many times and as a result feel incredibly uncomfortable in public My parents will never feel comfortable letting me walk home in the dark because girls have been abducted where we live. Constantly, my friends will let me know when they've got home because we all worry that something could happen and we need to be on alert until they get through their front door. (laughs) Every time I get into a taxi, there's a little bit of me that is very much concerned that we are really going to the place that I asked to get to. And while I'm not saying that men do not have any issues when it comes to safety, the level of concern and general caution that I have to orchestrate every day is exhausting. And at the end of the day, nothing that I can do will ensure that I'm guaranteed to be safe. And that's what makes these cases so draining, is that it could be you or me or anyone else and... There is no way of preventing that it doesn't happen. Obviously precaution can be taken and you can do all the right things but at the end of the day it's just not enough. Because women aren't the problem, men are. And it's not just strangers that you need to worry about, it's your co-workers or even your friends. Your guard can just never be let down. And it's exhausting. It's so draining. And I'm so frustrated that nothing ever changes. And the response that men tend to sort of (laughs) elicit whenever these conversations are brought up is that it's not all men. Don't tell me that it's not all men. Because I don't know whether the man who's just crossed the road is crossing the road because he needs to be on the other side of the road or because he's coming to attack me. And so... When you say not all men, it's just not very, very helpful, to be honest. Yeah, I could go on for a while about not all men, but I don't want people to get offended. So, yeah. Although, if you're getting offended by me saying not all men is a stupid construct, um, I don't think you'll be listening to much more of this episode anyway. But anyway, let's move on. I'm sure you've probably heard of Everyone's Invited. But in case you haven't, following the Sarah Everard case, Everyone's Invited was launched as an anti-rape movement organisation based in the UK, which focuses on exposing rape culture through conversation, education and sport. It allowed people to share their testimonies and experiences of sexual harassment anonymously and highlight the perpetrator schools involved because it was very much centred around exposing different private schools that had really intense issues that were kind of brushed under the carpet. 
And the traction that the movement gained was more than I have seen for anything concerning a sexual assault sort of expose, if you like. And schools, as a result, have literally launched investigations into their students. And I think it's really started to help to open up the conversation surrounding attitudes towards girls in private schools especially. I read a lot of the testimonies back in March and while I was horrified by what I was reading, mainly from a place of empathy, I was just not surprised because a lot of the testimonies that were being shared were very similar to things that I've heard from other people directly about their first negative sexual experiences. And I think that's what's so shocking for the majority of these girls, these experiences were among the first of their first sexual experience. And that effectively means that their view of sexual activity will be tainted forever unless they really sort of uncover that trauma and therapy. But that's a very draining exercise and realistically we all gaslight ourselves so we don't even think it's a big deal but it sort of just festers in our brain. <laughs> And I can almost guarantee that for the majority of these girls, their relationships and general attitude towards sex and themselves will forever be jaded because of the actions of one ignorant boy that probably will never even consider his actions to be wrong. And I hate that. (laughs) There's just so much injustice there and so often girls won't even realise that their experience deserves to be classified as wrong or just quite how damaging it is because it's so normalised in our society that girls are treated badly and taken advantage of by boys and I think we just get led to believe that because somebody always has it worse or because it doesn't quite fit the normal narrative of what it means to be sexually sort of harassed or taken advantage of in that way and consent is such a grey area that we just don't deem it necessary to discuss with others until we have these conversations with our friends and we're all sharing stories and I think it's only then it comes to light just how messed up a lot of these things are to be honest I think partially that's linked to the fact that the media portrays a narrative of rape being very black and white because I think we all have this collective image of rape being a stranger in a dark alleyway forcing himself onto a young woman but in reality it's never that simple And there are so many great areas, as I was saying, when it comes to consent and manipulation and coercion. So often these cases get overlooked because there's too much ambiguity and there are so many sort of mitigating factors. And so it's difficult to see who exactly was to blame. But men take advantage of girls at any opportunity. (laughs) And it's the man at the bar who makes a drunk girl kiss him and it's the girl in a relationship being emotionally manipulated and being guilt-tripped into having sex 
and it's someone having sex out of fear that their partner might leave them in video. And I just feel so much sadness for the future generation, so the current children, who are going to grow up in a society that condones sexual violence. And just the thoughts of a five-year-old girl eventually growing up and being taught implicitly that her body doesn't keep her safe deeply bothers me. Because girls are made to feel like their body is a problem and a threat to their own security. And that has way wider implications into distorting body image and just generally skewing the perception of the self. I decided to briefly research into the impact of sexual assault and body image. I found a study that sampled 1,664 females, 832 were sexually abused and 832 were not sexually abused. And they responded to a survey in a magazine, Shape magazine, um, and it was matched on age and BMI, basically. And the results were that females, females, females <laughs> who had been sexually abused reported more body dissatisfaction and self-consciousness, less satisfaction with themselves and in relationships and less comfort with having sex with the lights on and undressing in front of their sexual partner than women who had not been sexually abused. Additional consequences of sexual abuse included lack of control over the body, eating disorders and sexual identity confusion. Females who had been sexually abused were less likely to use contraception regularly than those without a history of sexual abuse. I think it just points to the fact that sexual assault doesn't just cause PTSD and an acute fear of intimacy. It has a really detrimental impact on sort of your whole view of yourself and it extends even beyond just sort of your attitudes in the bedroom. I also looked into another study regarding children and sexual abuse. I found a project called The Truth Project which demonstrated that child sexual abuse can have a profound psychological effect that lasts into and throughout adult life which I don't think would surprise anyone. Existing research has linked child sex abuse with low self-esteem and mental health conditions and the accounts provided to The Truth Project have supported this. Victims and survivors have reported a range of mental health issues that are a result of the sexual abuse that they suffered. Most common issues reported were depression, lack of trust and authority, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, self-harm and attempted suicide. Participants in the online consultation said that they were most likely to experience anxiety and fear, depression, self-harm and thoughts of suicide. Panic attacks, low self-confidence, obsessions, eating disorders and alcohol and drug use were also reported by forum members. Sexual abuse is so serious, but it's about so much more than just rape. Even if a woman is never assaulted, these events accumulate over time. And 
it's about those times that you're followed back home a few too many times or a van slowing down behind you while you're running it's someone getting a little too close to you at a party for men it's meaningless it's not even apparent but for women it's literally living in fear every day as i said before the law just clearly does not act as a deterrent i couldn't find a sort of substantiated backed up statistic but i did find that the average time in prison for rape is five years and i also found out that if the victim is 13 to 15 and the sex was mutually consensual you could be facing a prison sentence of up to two years. And if the victim is under 13 years of age, you could be facing life imprisonment. But how is a 13-year-old any different from a 12-year-old? The disparity between those two sentences is insane. Two years in prison is no retribution for the damage done to the victim. And that's still only a minor. You can't even consent as a 13-year-old, yet, in the eyes of the law, you're literally, like, she she can't give consent as a 13-year-old, yet, if it was consensual, they could only get two years. That doesn't make any sense. It's so messed up, and, like, pardon me if my research is inaccurate, but it's just not good enough. The law doesn't protect women, it literally is doing the bare minimum. At 13, you cannot make a rational decision to determine whether or not you're ready to have sex. So even if it's mutually consensual, it's not really consent. And I just, it baffles me that things like this are still allowed. (laughs) It's just, the common thread between all of this is just that the bare minimum is all we get. That's literally that's that's all (laughs) i hope you found this somewhat cathartic to listen to i doubt you did you probably just got riled up as i did but i didn't even think i sound riled up i probably sound really bored because i'm just so drained by all of this (laughs) i appreciate it's much heavier than all of my other episodes thus far but it's something that i feel very deeply about so i thought it was worth sharing Again, there's literally no conclusion to be drawn from anything that I've said and my points aren't all like neatly grouped together or whatever. I literally just had to let out some of my thoughts. And all that I have left to say is that to everyone that has ever been made to feel like their body poses a risk to their own safety, you're not alone. And however extreme or not you feel your experiences are, your feelings are valid, and your experience is genuine. Women are made to feel embarrassment for actually processing sexual harassment and reacting to it, and it's just (laughs) so normal to expect women to just accept and move on in order to sort of sustain social harmony or whatever, but it's not okay, and everyone deserves to be heard. If you take the attitude that there's someone who's had it worse, then nothing can ever get better and you're shutting yourself down to any emotional support or processing time that you may need. 
if you got anything out of this episode, feel free to follow the podcast for episodes every Wednesday. And I'll be back next week, hopefully with a lighter subject to discuss. Bye for now.